This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash. Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. Blog Talk Radio. Mm-hmm. 
Um, that's a great question. That's a great question because I don't agree with all the practices from civil rights. I don't agree with some of the practices of right now, you know, mm-hmm. and so we have to find a way to be respectful for the sacrifices that are made. Um, I don't know what the why of um, some of the men that have been slain by some of the current police violence think about their husband being a, a martyr or, you know, Trayvon Martin, his mother. I don't mm-hmm. know what she thinks about her son being a martyr. I'm, I'm sure she would rather her son be home. But yeah. yet, you know, the sacrifices that they make, you have to respect that, whether you agree with it or not. You know, whether you agree with how they died, whether you agree on how they lived, you have to understand that this is this person is no longer here. And the benefit of their death, and that's a horrible thing to say, but the benefits that mm-hmm. were achieved after their death, we have the right to them. Whether we can act mm-hmm. on them or not is our choice, but we mm-hmm. now have the right, okay? Well, that, so, you know what? That's interesting, though. I'm sorry to cut you because that's interesting, and, and that brings up a point, you know, which some people say, some people would say that that's an intrusion or an invasion of privacy, that you're not allowing the family enough time to grieve, that um, that that's almost borderline being a prophet of misery and, and, and black people's suffering. You know, what do you what do you say about that? People who would address well, it as that you know, or look at it like that. I have sons. I have two mm-hmm. sons. Mm-hmm. And I can't even imagine the healing that has to take place over the death of a child. Mm-hmm. Um, or the death of a spouse that was the primary breadwinner or any of that. But mm-hmm. so there's never going to be a good time for you to put his face on your T-shirt, never. Mm-hmm. There will never be a good time for that. At the mm-hmm. same time, I would much rather his death mean something rather than for it to just be a complete loss. I'll mm-hmm. always feel the loss. But mm-hmm. if I know that that could possibly create a law where another mother won't feel that loss, it does make me feel a little better. And so that's the kind of thing, you know, it's never going to be a good time. It's always going to be too soon. Um, at the same time, let not the loss be in vain. Allow, you know, that story to come forward. And it's usually other people than the parents that are doing the rallying because the parent, the wife, they're, they're just too caught up in the loss part. But as a people, there's a lot that we can rally behind. Now, what I get disappointed in is that why does it take this? So we see a lot of the a lot of these things we could be a little bit more proactive on, and um, we're not. But you know, going back to your original question, which is a, a question that we really need to take into consideration, is how do you keep respect for ancestors even if you don't agree with what they did? Um, or yeah. how they live, or and, or anything like that. But you know, and something though you you said that I wanted to touch on when we're talking about death, and it's never really a good time to accept, or never a good time to have them on your T-shirt. And we're talking about, you know, our, our thing is, and, and and welcome everybody that's listening in, and we thank you for spending your Thursday with us. You're listening to The Build, brought to you by the People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination. It's your brother, Yang Nkrumah. Um, we have seven on, and we're just sitting here building, and we're talking about the uh, thing is just about moving into 2019, and we're talking about um, revering the ancestors, and seven was going into how um, she said, like she said, it's an ugly word, there's no nice way to say it, but how you benefit or how 
the death of our predecessors could be advantageous to us. But I wanted to go back and also, you know, press one if you want to get into discussion. But I wanted to go back, Seven, to something you were saying. And we were talking about this, you know, there's never a right time <clears throat> to put a loved one on a T-shirt or trying to imagine. We couldn't imagine the pain of a mother have, having to bury their child. But in 2019, the year moving forward, dealing with our culture, uh, what they talk about this whole youth culture, how does the death culture play into that? Do you see it affecting our youth in any particular way? Because, I mean, just uh, – you know, them being targeted and the murders, the senseless murders of our young people by state officials, by police, by the, you know, shit, the armed wing of of, of what can be considered a repressive government at times. Um, you know, does this send out the, one of the things for me, it sends out the message to, to parents that, that you can't protect us. That there's no, you can't provide stability or sanctity, so we embrace a death culture. How does this affect them as far as um, ego, image-wise, self-conscious-wise, consciously-wise, and how they perceive themselves and visions for the future, or do you think it affects them? Uh, I absolutely think it affects them. This goes back into slavery days as far as I'm concerned. Um, The parent not having the ability, you know, we – had, as parents, watched our children be sold, watched our children be, you know, penalized to the point of death sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so we have not had good grip on our children and on our family unit. And I think out of everything and anything that we can be doing activist-wise, the family unit is under the direct attack and is one of the most vulnerable mm. when weakened and one of the most powerful when strengthened that family unit is everything. So mm-hmm. uh, it, since slavery, we have been fighting with the idea of trying to protect our children and then having them feel as if their life is expendable. And we see a lot of their behavior in that where, you know, we have this black-on-black violence. We have all kinds of situations where we see youth not respecting their own life, not respecting their fellow brother's life, not you know, we, we see evidence that they really do believe that their life is not valuable. And, you know, of course, we know that to be absolutely incorrect. Their life is extremely mm-hmm. valuable, whether it's um, to build a nation for us as African Americans or is it to build a nation for them, because that's what we're doing between the prison mm-hmm. system and that whole, that whole machine called the justice system and everything else mm-hmm. like that. We're creating jobs for them. We're building their empires, their prisons. Um, this is why a lot of our HBCUs, we haven't had a new HBCU in forever. <laughs> you know, we, we have plenty of opportunities to build colleges. We just don't. But they build prisons every other day. Every town has a prison. So, mm-hmm. you know, they let us know how they like to invest in us. And their investment is, in us is um, evident. Okay? Well, they, they it goes back. Police us. Mm-hmm. It goes back to that. It goes back to like what you said. The difference between them building a prison and our not building universities is lack of vision. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, at particular time, and I'll date myself. You know, put my age out there. I'm 46, and it was feigning then. You know, I'm an 80s baby. I was part of the terror, <clears throat> and so we had the whole uh, concept and definition of black family really being destroyed. And I would say hard. 
a heart attack against black family in the 80s with chemical warfare, more commonly referred to as the crack cocaine era, with uh, urban warfare, known more commonly referred to as gang uh, uh, escalation or gang wars or whatever, you know, you want to call it, it was just urban decay, urban terror, urban blight, chemical warfare, just everything leveled against the black community. Um, and unfortunately, you know, and sad to say, I was a part of that. So now we get into, you know, um, bumping it and fast-forwarding it ahead. Well, not fast-forwarding ahead, but even coming through all of that, we have remnants of old heads that provided for us a business. I mean, a, a sense of what direction, what we wanted to go. Like they would say, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? Some of us still had aspirations to be doctors, lawyers, whatever. But it was, you know, that hope of getting out of or bettering the conditions that we lived in. Then, you know, I saw this miraculous change where coming from the ghetto began to be the fad, you know. And you know what I'm saying? And then we started coming up with, you know, ghetto fabulous and things that became, you know, where insults started to become the norm, like, in our language, like nigga and bitch and, you know, what sisters calling one another that type of language. So we start to see the vision erode. So I don't think a lot of times our young people have a vision. So to be, you know, how you value life when you don't have anything to measure the value against. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. You know, you know, and and I think, I think a lot of media has been horrible at that. They, mm-hmm. they really, really tell us what to do, what to think, how to feel and everything else like that. And if we look on TV now, um, we got so much of the, the love and hip-hop era. We have so much of the, you know, this very uh, lewd, ratchet behavior. Unreality television. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Un- unreality. So, right. Yeah, and so we give our little girls poor images to look at and to emulate. Um, you know, I am a, a big modesty person. I grew up in a house full of girls from a very girly mother, and modesty was definitely um, – an order of the day, but mm-hmm. it was celebrated, you know. And mm-hmm. I look at some of these girls now, and by the time, you know, they even hit puberty at 11 or 12, they are comfortable wearing tight, tight pants that are revealing. Mm-hmm. They're comfortable moving in these very sexual ways. And these are, I mean, puberty hasn't even hit yet, and they're already developing but over you know what, Trevor, relationships. Yeah. Some, you know what? Some people call you old-fashioned. It's I hard, you know, seven. <laughs> I am old-fashioned. Okay. <laughs> I'm not mad at that. I am not mad at that at all. You know, but no, they would say, you know, you got to get hip. You got to get with it. Times have advanced. You know, women are free. If men can, women can type of attitude and mentality. And, and even it goes into the whole spiritual concept. You know, you got this spiritualist movement that, Sometimes, you know, is a a big part of the so-called spiritualist movement today is to get rid of religion aspects out of it. So they would even say that, oh, that's too religiously. You know, so what's the importance of what you're saying that, you know, our young ladies uh, begin to have a certain dress code? And what would that dress code, what's the importance of that? And how would you address people that say that's just oppressive? Now you're trying to be oppressive like the man. Yeah, okay, that, that's yeah. just that Islam coming out of you. Yeah, yeah okay. I re- yeah. I'm going to date myself for a second. I remember when um, Little Kim back in the day came out with the crotch shot. You know, this mm-hmm. is like, that oh, was yeah. ridiculous back in the day. Mm-hmm. And they asked her why. And she said, well, 
some man's going to exploit me. I might as well do it and get the benefit from it. Wow. Yeah. And I'm like, no, that's a double fail, okay? Because now they've trained you not only to accept their exploitation, but to begin to promote it your own self. And right then with the little Kim Foxy Brown, that whole era where, you know, how loose can I get it? How much can I show without it being, you know, beeped out? How much, you know, and it became almost a competition, you know, whoever showed the, mo- the most got the most, you know. Mm-hmm. And it created, mm-hmm. you know, people talk about, you know, the Nicki Minaj and stuff. I was like, no, take it back. Okay, we had this big yeah. going on, unfortunately. Yeah. And we yeah. haven't gotten a grip yeah. on, on it since then because, unfortunately, sex sells. Mm-hmm. And so as long as we're willing to pay the money, as long as we're willing to buy it, um, the artist is like, look, they feel obligated and pressured. Hey, this is what I have to do. This is what gives record sales. You know, mm-hmm. at that time, they were just buying albums. The album covered. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't. Have, we didn't have yeah, to eat right, either, right, right. I right. was willing to pay this much money just for the album cover. Yeah, you know what absolutely. I'm saying. And absolutely. so, it when you start talking about money, we talk start talking about people who didn't have all of a sudden coming up financially. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they were like, oh, you know, so what dignity? You know. I wasn't yeah. using that well, dignity, no way. <laughs> no, right, and and that's exactly right, and that's what they talk about, you know, uh, selling your soul. You know, when that whole materialism age came in, that whole consumerism age. And then we're talking about, you know, uh, moving forward in 2019. Listen, if you want to participate in the discussion, press one. We'll recognize you, bring you into play. I'm your brother, Yang and Krumah. We have um, Sister Seven, who's over wonderful approach, and we, we'll get into that, give her an opportunity to tell us a little bit about that. And we're just rapping about, you know, everything going into 2019, first show of the year. We're talking about what does this future look like for us with all the influences and the things we're talking about. Uh, we just was in, in this part of the conversation where someone was talking about the dignity and selling our dignity, and that brings us up to the materialism and consumerism. Do we see more of that in 2019? I think that that has been a very big enabler or a big hindrance for us as black Africans in America. And let me tell you why, to me, Sister Seven, and those listening, why that's detrimental to us. Here, here, here it is. Especially with this government shutdown, man. I was, and, you know, at the risk, I'm not clowning my people. We're just keeping it real. Was at the, you know, um, I think the whole thing, they've advanced people's food stamps. They've given them more on their food stamps. And I've seen our people in the stores, and I don't really think they grasp the full or have a full comprehension of what's happening. I think that, you know, I see all the stuff that's being sold out, and there's more Zoom Zooms and Wham Whams, and it, it speaks to two things. One, that I don't think they have a full comprehension of what's really happening, that that's it. You know, there's no more of those coming into, you know, the government opens up. And the fact that we don't, in our transition to this material consumer age, where we just buy, 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 we lost a lot of key essentials, and that is just basic uh, care. Cooking. I mean, just basic understandings of things, cleaning. We became so dependent on everyone and everything, even to cook our meals and to cater to us, that when I saw these sisters and brothers in, in, in here shopping for what could possibly be the last of their food stamps, man, it would have blew you away. Absolutely. I'm sure. I'm sure. I yeah. mean, I see it uh, when 
and I, I do social services, and so I have a sensitivity towards it, okay? Mm-hmm. I want people to have food stamps if they need it for food. What I don't want is people to become dependent on the government to supply their daily meal, you mm-hmm. know, and mm-hmm. there's a big difference between the two. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I really, when the food stamps upload, you know, this is when I'm getting run over by the big buggies in Walmart, and, you know, they're full of juice and ho-hos, and like you said, you mm-hmm. know, very unnutritional food that will be gone very quickly, but mm-hmm. Hot Pockets and all this stuff, and I'm like, huh. What you pay for those Hot Pockets, I could do three meals, easy, yeah. okay? Yeah. But, you know, they're still buying the Hot Pockets. And, and so what happens now is that with this advance, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. when those food stamps run out, they help us to say, okay, there's no more food stamps. We got two more weeks to live. All right, we're going to ration this out, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But now there's no rationing. There's no pull-up. Where you know everyone's mm-hmm. acting like this is Christmas without understanding that December 26th you still need to eat, you know. Absolutely. And so this is, I think, creating a false sense of comfort, and this is something that we have to get out of the habit of doing because this is something we do all the time. You know, we get comfortable. You know, we want to trust. We can't trust the government um, to, especially when we have seen the government um, be unpredictable in these new situations. You know, 2019 is about change, period. Mm-hmm. You're on change, whether you like it or not. And mm-hmm. so when you come into, um, you know, politically speaking, socially speaking, there's still going to be change. You know, there has to be change. And this change is going to be radically radical. It's going to hit you in the head. And it's going to mm-hmm. disrupt your normal understandings of life. Um, it, those preferred ideas are starting to become more and more logical as we go through our days, you know. But, mm-hmm. and I know that this is your show. I, I just want to share some words that um, for those that are in uh, the organizations that help to shape these understandings, I don't envy you. You know, this is very hard work. I look at the, the work that you do. Uh, Yanga, I look at the work that, you know, that your core committee does and that, you know, that other organizations, other formations are trying to put together. And basically, you know, there's so many different areas that need addressing. You know, Mm -hmm. it becomes almost difficult to focus on just one while you see everything else almost kind of like (laughs) Armageddon going up in flames and you're just, you're trying to hold on to one principle. Exactly. Well, that's the whole thing of, like, when you talk about leadership, not like one of your key words you're always using, and even talking to Tyler, focus, focus. Absolutely. Though we, you know, we want to help everything, it's all about that focus. Listen, let me go to my phone line. Someone's been holding on patiently. Let's get you here. Area code 706-0890. Your mic is open. Black Power, my brother. Black Power, brother. This brother Robert calling from behind enemy lines, man. Man, what's going on, brother Robert? How's the <laughs> What's going on? What's going on, Not man? Much, what's going man. on, man? Just, just, man. just chilling, man. Glad we're able to get us the show in tonight. It's been a while. Hey, man. 
I'm telling you, coming back, it's been a while. We've been on hiatus. Coming back for 2019, man. We got to do it. We got to deliver it to the people. But first, I had to have a pullback and get my mind right, reassess and reevaluate the situation and how I wanted to go about addressing the issues. It is. And that's the best way, so, you know. You got to you got to have yourself in order before you help get anybody else in order. You did, man. That's the ticket. That's the ticket. That's what we're right. doing. We got Sister Seven on, and that's what she's talking about. And one of the things, um, you know, I don't want to to to. I would call a premier spiritualist, but a very strong spiritualist. And she talked about that even in her message of change. Man, we're coming in twenty nineteen. It's about change, but change doesn't mean right. you're sitting there and you just, you know. Um, get carried away by the tornado. Hell, even Dorothy had to click her heels. So it's some action That's right. that you're going to have to put forth and we're going to have to be ready for this change. And it's coming down. You know, people called That's them right. crazy. People, you know, laughed and looked when we were telling them about change, join any progressive organization, any organization that is about advancement and empowering. You see, that was the key word, empowering organizations. Yeah. A lot of times we go for the um, – the quick feels, the quick thrills. And that's cool, especially when you're talking to a generation of people who are used to getting high. You know what I'm saying? So we're yeah. in for quick, quick rush, a quick, a quick thrill. So a lot of times, very charismatic, dynamic speakers can capitalize on that and they throw it out there. They give us that quick rush and quick thrill. But when you talk about something with that, with some um, sustaining power, you know, something that's, that's going to carry us through. We don't find it in those methods, nor in their methods. You know what I'm saying? So you know, so this 2019 is really with this change is also a year of self is is a year of self reflection. That's right. That's right. And I wanted to you know agree with the sister when she was um speaking on that love and hip hop stuff. You know what I'm saying? You know we that's the change that we need to. The, the enforce, you know, that's that's one of the changes we need to try to, you know, uh, produce. You know, it seems like, you know, uh, we I kind of seen a pattern, you know, in 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 our thinking, you know, in our in our ways, and you know, we trendsetters, but we also like to follow, you know. So, I'm 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 coming home in June, and you know, I'm looking for something to the to, to get a a new trend to get the people to follow, you know, something, something mm-hmm. productive and positive, you know what I'm saying? But not so corny mm-hmm. to where it, it, it drops their attention. And, and, and that's our, that's, that's, that's like one of our downfalls because we don't have enough to, 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 to give or show to make all the, not, you'll never get all the people, but the majority, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we not producing or, or, or showing them, Something positive to the point to where they'd rather show it and 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 get with it themselves. They rather rush home and watch, you know, uh, women yeah, fighting each other on TV, men degrading the women on TV. You know, they're 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 rather call out from work because a new episode of that coming on. So, you know, I'm I'm gonna be looking for something to, to give them different that that they can grasp on and be willing to get with. You know, I, I I done got my GED in 2016. Here it is, 2019. I'm going to graduate with an associate's in business management. So, okay. you know, I'm trying to uh, really come home and, and do something for the people, man, something that I know that would be spectacular to make them really be like, okay, I want to be a part of that. Because, see, like I said, you know, we are trendsetters, but we also like to follow. 
So I'm, I want to put together something uh, uh, new to set a trend to also grab people that's willing to follow. You know what I'm saying? Because that's, that's, that's yeah. all I see, the change that I'm going to be able to make, you know? Yeah, here it is, brother. I mean, and, and, and because I encourage that energy. But I'm going to be real. I wouldn't be your brother if I didn't keep it real, you know. And there's a saying that I don't know, you know, I think it's somewhere in the Bible, there's nothing new under the sun. So it's not, That's you're right. not going to be coming home and showing them nothing new. What we do need to see, though, is consistency. It doesn't have to That's be right. new. You know, Marcus Garvey and paved the way. Malcolm X and paved the way. Hell, your Uncle Willie, Uncle Charlie Bobo that dropped that science paved the way. But what they, what, right. what our people, what our youth need to see is that consistency out of us. You know what I'm saying? And it's going to be, and like you said, people follow. So not your, your first people are not going to be followers. When you come home, you're going to have to find pioneers. You're going to have to find right. young leaders that are willing to be ostracized and criticized and ridiculed by their friends for the life choices that they're making. So I'm telling you this because, like, something Dr. Khalid Abdul-Muhammad used to say, claim no easy victories and tell you no lies. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not going to, you know, say when you first come home, it's just you're going to have this uh, Messiah wine that the people are just going to jump out. They're going to look at you. They're going to test it. You know what I'm saying? Am I right, Seven? You know, they're going to they're gonna test the mantle, you know. She like she said she the social behavior so she's done with people that's been in the institutions and go through these miraculous changes in inside and when it comes and they're very sincere but when it comes home you have devils amongst us brother Robert that will want to test to see if that's real. Yeah. That's right. That's, that's the thing I would tell you to, to look out for. Number one, uh, congratulations on your new lease in life. You know I'm I really thank, really thank, thank. everyone that we get back is one that they don't have. And it sounds like you're serious and you up on some stuff or you wouldn't be calling in. So, you know, congratulations on that second chance. Yeah, every day. But guess what? That change that you made, you're going to have to hold to it every day, almost every hour, because the universe is set up two ways. Either it's positive or it's negative, and that's all there is. Mm -hmm. That's all there is. So we need you working in the positive, of course. You know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? So that's why I'm like, every single one, I don't care where you came from, as long as you like, I'm ready to work on the positive side, let's get this done. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Let's put the work in and everything like that. But I would say, write down some of the things that are important to you right now, because you might need them as reminders when you come out into this love and hip-hop world. You know what I'm saying? Well, I am. So write down I am a needle. Down, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> yes, ma'am. Right and that is, down, ma'am, that's that real is so true. Yeah, because that's what we're that's what we're combating, man. Sensationalism. We're combating, you know, a world that begins to. I think that that's always been one of the the oldest questions. You know, is it the what came first, the chicken or the egg? The time of, is it life imitating art or art imitating life? So I think, brother Robert, I'm gonna mute you for a minute to keep that, man. And we definitely appreciate that call in. So, you know, that's always a thing. To touch on something you said going into 2019, when we're talking about a powerful year, you know, I'm feeling the energy. Seven said it's a year of change. And, man, thank the most high. However you recognize that power, man, thank that power, that we're going into a year of change and that we all have the ability 
to affect to a certain degree the changes that we go into. It just simply says change. It doesn't, have to, it doesn't say you're going to a bad change. It means some things are going to change for you. So for a lot of us, I know we're looking for positive changes if we had negative. And for those of us that had a positive 2018, we're looking for more the change of a more positive 2019. But to talk about something that Rob, Brother Robert said, you know, coming out and touching on even what Seven was talking about is how we need everyone. 2019 must be the year of unity. You know, we're talking about the government shutdown um, and how our dependency on the government is going to be effective. So what are some of the solutions? And we're talking about 2019 being the year of unity. To me, one of the solutions is, and um, Seven and Mother Khadija talked about this on their show, on Wonderful Approach, which comes on Wednesdays, 8 Eastern. Check it out. With You know, um, look at my page. I'll post it up there, the number up there. But talking about... One of the, they talked about the, the whole prepper thing and the change that was coming. And one of the things that had come out was um, talking about communalism. You know, I brought up one of the solutions being communalism. And I mean, seriously, communalism in the form of really us pulling those resources and beginning to build with what we have. And in order – go ahead. What were you saying? I said Absolutely. 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 But in order for that to work, we have to shake some of our already um, notions and concepts of society and how society looks. And we go back into that whole family thing when Seven was, you were talking earlier, sister, talking about um, the family unit. You know, what in 2019, let's talk about that. Let's talk about this new black African family unit. I'm glad you brought that up. What does that look up? Because this is not your grandmother's family. This is the family unit. We're talking about baby mamas, baby daddies. We're talking about extended families. We're talking about children from other women. And it used to be just a, a lot of times you would see the phenomena of a man being in a household with other children. But now you're seeing the men's children. More of this, the men's children being in the household with him and another mother. You know what I'm saying? So what is our 2019, what is this black and the women being predominant, the predominant income or the dominant income in the household being the breadwinners, the very things that we were told men's about, men supposed to provide and protect. Yeah, these sisters can be brothers or shoot straight up and make more money. So, you know. It's not our grandmother's nothing no more, okay? Because yeah. grandma used to mean old. Now I got women my age talking about their grandmothers, you yeah. know. So that that is part of the the phenomenon and the change of the phenomenon. You know, grandmother used to mean definitely at least 60, 65. Um, and yeah. that grandmother was um, resolved to be more family-oriented, was resolved to be more of the the homebody, and um, when you didn't have grandma, you had big mama. And Mm -hmm. big mama was, you know, someone in your community that played that role of grandmother. And Mm -hmm. um, these grandmothers stayed home. They cooked all the time. Um, You know, they were there for consultation. They were there when you needed to be swatted. They were, no matter what you needed, they were there. Mm -hmm. Grandmothers aren't 60 years old anymore. And so that makes the mother's younger, and now grandma's working, or grandma's at the club, or grandma's mm-hmm. busy. 
So grandma's not holding down when she used to hold down, which leaves a lot more work on the parent. Um, back in the day, it was man and woman. And even if mm-hmm. man had a whole other family, uh, he was maintaining financially both of these houses, mm-hmm. um, primarily financing both of these houses. That has changed. That dynamic has changed to where now a lot of the women are the breadwinners. Mm-hmm. And um, and that changes a lot of the dynamic because if she's out of the house, that means the house is not priority like it used to be. You know, my so how do you bring back? So how do you begin to bring back some of the balance to that? I mean, like you know, that's a whole. I don't, know. I don't know if bring back is the right word. I think we have to move forward. I, I move forward. What does that move yeah. forward looking like? What does that move forward look like? Uh, that talking about agreement. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to not be afraid to step out of non-traditional roles. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to be aware of some of the pitfalls that were in the traditional roles, okay? You know, man come home, sit on the sofa, scratch himself, and say, you know, he grunt and groan, and, hey, I paid the bill, so deal with it. Mm-hmm. The women can't mm-hmm. turn around and do the same thing. It was a mistake when he did it. He was wrong yeah. when he did it. So, yeah. But that doesn't make it right now for a woman to jump into that same role and be like, look, I'm going to scratch myself too, you know. Right. And so right. we have to redefine the role not just as far as male and female, but we have to redefine what worked and what didn't work, you know, and that requires some honesty that a lot of times is missing out of a lot of the households because we don't want to talk about it. We, we don't want to rehash this. Um, you know, some some of us women get off on the power chain, and mm-hmm. some of the men are fighting uh, some things that are inevitable. You know, you're you're wasting energy trying to fight something that's already in place. Well, one uh, of the things that I see too with the brothers, you know, is when we talk about that whole piece of uh, you know myths and stereotypes of sitting certain typecasts or sitting in certain roles is that men aren't taught to communicate. And then, you know, when we talk about changing the whole dynamic of black family, what standard are we using? What, what's our, you know, what's our moral compass? It leads, I see some of us as black people do what I call escapism, that in a search for some type of identity or some type of focal point, some type of nucleus or center to begin to direct the life off of, we'll go to ancient pre-colonized Africa and take it that far back to where it's not even really what we're learning doesn't have the relevance in this day and time. Not saying that anything about our history is not relevant or it's not important. Don't go to those people listening twisting my words, but I'm saying that we go so far back that we ourselves don't become relevant. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I have um, a very strong Native American understanding, mm-hmm. and for me to go to them and, and think that we're going to sleep in teepees is uh, realistic. They're like, mm-hmm. no, we have houses. You know what I'm saying? We have right. apartments. Right. We have cabins. We have, we're not going to sleep under, you know, some skin. We're not going to, mm-hmm. we don't have to now. That was something that was way, way, you know, way away. And so and, a lot of times we'll go into a, an ancient understanding out of a comfort level and out of ignorance. Mm-hmm. And then, too, for me, you know, listen, here's one of the big things for me is, you know, at the same time, it doesn't, you know, it's like when you go to the doctor, the doctor asks you for your family history, 
What's your medical history? See, when you go that far back or you go to one understanding, leaning to Native, Native Americans or whatever, and you try to take out, like you have this new indigenous movement popping up where people are trying to take out the Maafa, take out the whole Atlantic slave trade, you take out such a very big, important part of what goes into who you are today and why you think and behave the way that you do. I think that that's important to know. Like I said, like we were saying earlier, talking about Dr. King, whether you agree or disagree, you know, um, I think that not acknowledging that aspect of our history not only is disrespect disrespectful to our ancestors, but does us a disservice spiritually, psychologically, emotionally, and even socially. Absolutely. Because you don't get the benefit of the victories that were there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the victories of survival. You know, I think about the uh, Montgomery bus boycott, and I'm like, I, I think about having to walk because it wasn't a matter of, okay, I, I'll just take an Uber or I'll just take a taxi or I'll just get into my car or whatever. They weren't taking the bus out of convenience mm-hmm. to begin with. They were taking mm-hmm. the bus because that was the only form of transportation they were allowed. And mm-hmm. so to say that I'm going to forego this only transportation, knowing that my only other options were to walk, and that means I had to wake up even earlier and walk mm-hmm. an hour, walk an hour to go to a job where I'm on my feet all day anyway, mm-hmm. that, you know, the commitment that it took for them to try to put things in place in the positive, um, mm-hmm. I don't think we can. I think it's disrespectful when we don't acknowledge all the effort that they went through. You know, right now things are easier for us. We'll go to a protest at 6 o'clock, we will leave at 10 o'clock that night, and then by 11 o'clock I'm on to TV or Facebook, whatever else. Okay, right. You know what I'm saying? Right, 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 right. I'm editing all the footage from the protest. Right, 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 right. Alrighty, alrighty. Or I'll go on on Facebook and check out the lives. Yeah, exactly. But, um, exactly. you know, we, we have gotten to the point where it's, it's almost a convenient choice that we are making an option if we're going to do uh, activist work or if we're going to be socialists or anything else like mm-hmm. that. But mm-hmm. they are, our ancestors, it was not a choice. It was a way of life. It was a way of death. You know, it right. was like right. this was it. You have to do it. And if you don't, this can cause harm to you and your family. You know, mm-hmm. I think, you know, sometimes the lack of imminent danger has mm-hmm. us believing, gives us a, fel- a false sense of confidence. I think that was by design, too. Absolutely. I think that was by design. You know, when you flood a man or a woman, when I say man, I'm speaking of women, too. Um, when, you, when you flood their lower desires, when their every indulgence is just satisfied, it dulls the survival skills. It dulls the wit. You know what I'm saying? It even, from what's apparent, you know what I'm saying, from what I'm seeing, from the activities of us as black people here, it even dulls the common sense. Let's go to our phone lines again and open it up. 404-4051, your mic is open. Hello? Yes. Yo, greetings, bro. Greetings. What's going on, Brother Abashi? Hey, what's happening, what's man? Going? Just checking out. I was hey, having a little trouble. Man? Yeah, man. Well, I'm glad you could make it in, man. 
We're sitting there just discussing, man, having a, having a discussion, man, forward thought about 2019, some of the things that have gotten us to where we're at uh, socially, economically, politically, and just the over discussion. Now we're just talking about, and got, you know, uh, seven on the phone, man, just sharing with us and helping us build on this subject matter. And I'm sure you've overheard some of the things we've been talking about, you know, um, the family structure. Going back to really appreciating and revering the ancestors, and I'm gonna tell you something, Bossy. You played a very big part of helping me have this discussion when, uh, um, just when you know, talking about learning in your African classes, the influences, the lack of African influence, and the how predominant the European way of thinking is, and how that affects us socially and dealing with one another. Um, just from the book that I got to pick up from you about conflict resolution. So give you the opportunity to speak some things and to plug that book, man, plug Brothers Baruti's book too. Uh, that's a conflict, uh, res- uh, conflict management, a primer for conflict management. And it's called uh, Lubrication for Liberation. And I, uh, and I did. I heard a lot of things that I liked. Uh, I definitely liked what the the sister that was speaking uh, when she touched on like how you know you kind of it's an option to go to the protest now. She, like she said, you may make it like six o'clock. You're home at you know uh, ten o'clock. Like she said, watching the news. Well, I think that's what we touched on. Like 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 she said. Also, for our ancestors. It wasn't a choice. Like you said, it wasn't a choice. Now it's kind of like, ah, I'll do it. Now the revolution or the struggle for freedom or the fight for freedom, because it's not a struggle, has been reduced to Internet. Like, oh, I'm an Internet revolutionary because I know some Marcus Garvey. You know, I read uh, Francis Crest Wilson. You know, I throw an uncle around my neck, a little little kente cloth, and uh, I watch a couple of videos. Right. Right. You know, and, and right. that makes me ask. One of the things that I, I feel like destroys the household. First, we have, you know, I'm, I'm big on the psychology, brother Yanker. So to understand mm-hmm. how this European disease uh, works that we have, we have to understand how it infiltrates your mind. So we have to even think about who's influencing us. See, this is what I think people don't understand enough. To me, when you really begin to get on that African frequency, you have to share yourself with everything that European thought, that European walk, that European act, that, that, that European diet. You have to share all of these layers, and it can't happen overnight. It has to be like a process. So it's like who's influencing you? Okay, we're going to, to add on to my sister's point. We're going to rallies or we're going to African uh, events. But then as soon as we get in the car, we listen to the future. Mm-hmm. We listen to the car. Well, you know what, though, brother? I'm sorry. Go ahead, brother. No, no, and, and it's just this, then you can have the floor. It's like we listen to the future, we listen to Cardi B, and we have to understand are the minds that influence our minds African thought, or is Cardi B European, is future-speaking European, those things that infiltrate us and make us act in that desired manner, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It makes tons of sense. I think that... And here, you know what's the sad part of that is? And then again, I got to play devil's advocate. You know, I got to bring up a lot of times, you know, the shitty aspect of it. The sad part of that is a lot of these people know 
exactly what you're saying, but don't care. They don't see, like you said, you asked the question, which is a very serious question. Who's influencing? What what minds are influencing our minds? And are they Eurocentric minds? Are they white-to-white mindset? And a lot of our people don't make the distinction between the two. We've been over here so long and so far removed from the African concept that it is, it, it, it's almost not unnatural. To, what we're participating in is almost not unnatural anymore. There used to be a time where I could watch the news when I was coming up and you'd hear a crime, baby found in the oven, who's at six. You'd know that was white. You'd be like, more some white lady and put a baby in the oven. You know what I'm saying? You could tell the ethnicity by the crime. There was just certain things that you knew we didn't do. Now we've been so far removed from not just Africa, but any sense of normalcy. Even, you know, when we so-called had to struggle a little bit as black people, we've been let so much into their culture and integrated so deeply that even their moral and ethics of ours. So to get our people to say, hey, that thinking is wrong, how do you go about doing that? How do you go about getting our people to wake up to say, that's not right and exact, that's not good thinking for us? Uh, I think, I think, brother, we have two, one, one. Once again, I think we have to understand the the sense of morality that our true African ancestors carried had. You know, one thing that's funny to me was, uh, and I can't help but to use how our people move on social media platforms because we have to understand that that social media influences so much of our thinking. Okay, it was just like uh, last week, it was the whole R. Kelly scandal. So we have to understand that in our truest African culture, we never had a desire for little girls. But most of our people mm-hmm. don't understand that. Like you said, they think that, oh, that's just, that stuff's been going on. A lot of this behavior didn't start until we understand, until European invasion, until Roman Greek invasion. And then they begin mm-hmm. to change out. And I'm speaking on this, Brother Yanga, to tie in that, Okay, there were so many when Kanye came out and said his infamous slavery was a quote finger's choice. I mean, I heard brothers making a crip call. Uh, oh, if you catch him in the neighborhood, you know, we're going to do something to him. Now, this is the smoke they wanted to stand to Kanye's way. But last week, mm-hmm. I was so disappointed in, in, in the black males because I saw a lot of these black males, Brother Yanga, justifying mm-hmm. in some state, form, or fashion. R. Kelly's behavior. Well, I mean, well, you don't know, there was a blame for the parents. There was a blame for everybody Absolutely. else except Absolutely. him. Absolutely. There was a blame. But, and, and, and we have to understand ahead, who's protecting our girls. I was mm-hmm. so disappointed, mm-hmm. brother, at some of the brothers that I had a little, some respect for making excuses. And we have to understand that that influences, that, that ties into the, the growth of our daughters, the growth of fatherhood, because we're not having fathers that's talking to their girls about proper dating, rites of passage. We always talk, Brother Yanker, we always talk, oh, man, um, you know, back in the day, you know, if your neighbor caught you doing something, they would do this to you. Or then they would tell your parents. We know how we always say that has been removed. We have gotten in the European right. frequency. If you touch my child, my child could be out here cussing you out. But if you touch my child, right. it's going to go down. 
there's that there's not that connect, there's not that connectedness, brother. That's what I'm getting at. That connectedness of one. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, I our thing is because I think that you know, and like I told Seven, and just keeping it real, I think we know that a lot of us know these things, you know, and even mm-hmm. the the people who don't act to it know these things. I think one of the things is is how do we get to see them that it's not advantageous for them. They'll tell you, you know, like, hell, you could give them the report on pork is, you know, hypertension and high blood pressure in the black community, and they'd be like, man, shit, I've been eating pork all my life. My granny ate pork. You know, how do you get them to see that thinking like that, how they're thinking is not advantageous? Like you said, you know, those people making excuses for R. Kelly, and we got seven on the line. Is is a woman. You know, I'd love to get uh, a sister's take, but, you know, in, in my opinion, and I see you, Carla, before we get her take, I'm going to come to you. I see you. Uh, but in my opinion, a lot of those brothers, Obasi, are making excuses because they chumps. It's easier. Ah. It's like I said before. I forget who I was talking to about it. But I said it's like you walking down the street with your woman, and a dude look at her, and she say, what you, you know, why are you looking at me like that? And he comes slap her. Then you say, you shouldn't have said nothing to him. You shouldn't have been looking at him like that. That's some, It's easier. It, it's our very conscience, you know, um, as men is yelling at us is so self-convicting that it's easier to blame the victim for, mm-hmm. uh, you know what I'm saying? And you hear that mm-hmm. in our young men, too. They're like, well, she shouldn't have did this, she shouldn't have did because it absolves them to a certain degree of having to step up, be a man, and protect your woman, which is a very big, you know, which is a very big deal. Let me go to my phone lines real quick, Obasi. Let's start bringing this call into the call. Uh, 314-4644, your mic is open. You know, I heard you make a couple of things I had some issues with. <clears throat> okay. Made issues on the dietary practice of, of people, I guess you're saying that Africans didn't eat pork. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying okay. that black Africans here in America, uh-huh. we suffer from, our community suffers from hypertension and high blood pressure. So we have to look at our dietary practices that are not advantageous or beneficial to us. And there's no, in, in, unless you can bring me some reports that where pork is advantageous and beneficial to us. I don't just eat based on culture. Well, I, I agree, with you, I agree with you on that. I agree with you on that. Okay. People should do, make some change. Yeah. Now, as far as Kanye's West statement about the choice, well, it's a lot of truth mm-hmm. in that. There's a whole lot of truth in it. You know, only weak people got captured. And if you look at the history of the, the wow. uh, mayhem and that was going on between those different groups over there. My wife is Away, and her people used mm-hmm. to talk about how the Ashanti and uh, other groups used to come down and raid their villages, burn their huts, or their charlets, take the cattle, kill their men, women, and children. And then one Ooh. time they gathered together with another group, the Ga. And they fought back against these marauders and captured them. Well, you know, the practice now is that you have to make restitution when you do something like tear up somebody's stuff. And if they couldn't make restitution, then they were sold off in order to get enough to repair what they what they uh, tore up. Well, those that were sold off ended up over here. 
I mean, that's just so, the way it is. And, and another thing, the ships that sailed on the ocean could not go up the rivers. So when they left those ships, and it wasn't no, what, 15 or 30 on a ship, and they had long boats that came ashore. As soon as they hit the shore, they had to pay the chief. That's what you call pay the paw. Okay. okay, then if they wanted to go up river, they had to get somebody to take them up river, and they had to pay for that. Those people did not have to participate with that. So that's but what you said. I mean, like, you know, but I, I listen, we, and I and I love it. And I appreciate your opinion. But I'm gonna mm-hmm. put mine. On, I'm gonna let the guests go first, and and let people have an opportunity to address. Let's start with, you know, I'm gonna start with seven. Seven. Did you want to address anything or? Yeah, I, I do well, actually. There was something that um, Brother Abasi had said that I wanted to address, and um, and and I didn't catch this caller's name, the one that just commented. But we have to also really understand what choice is, okay? Um, choice at gunpoint really is not choice. Uh, mm-hmm. Choice when you are chained is not a choice. That is, you're moving or your foot doesn't move with you. And there were some that decided that they'd rather do without that. But I don't think anyone questions how slavery came about. I think the big mm-hmm. question comes into the horrific treatment of the people mm-hmm. that were enslaved and their descendants. And I think that's more, and, and actually, you know, 400 some years later, some of the same treatment still in mindset and thinking still in place. So I don't think anyone questions. Slaves because mm-hmm. Egyptians have everyone has slaves in Europe. They call them indentured servants. So there's always been um, a class war there. I think the problem in America and in the uh, Central America where there was slavery here was a horrific treatment of those slaves and um, their descendants and the torture and the cruelty that was involved with them. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's more of where when people talk about slavery with the comment is and that was not a choice. That was if you were if you looked black you were treated like you were a slave and that was the treatment that you received. So that's not a choice. So well, I, I can agree so, with you on that. I can agree with you on that, but I'm talking about the the other side. And yes, the right people that was here in this hemisphere did undergo some tremendous treatment. But on the other side, you know, people over there, you know, uh, muskets firing guns and rifles one shot is not enough to take down the whole village. So people did make a choice. It was payment back and forth. And that's human beings. Human beings do those things. Mm-hmm. Human beings do those things. They sacrifice. You had the Aztecs that sacrifice. They sell their daughters off or permit their daughters to go with strangers. And well, they done other choice. things. Well, yeah. well, when yeah. you say choice, I think when you say choice, whose choice? I, I see Kanye when he was speaking of choice, he was speaking of, from my understanding, the choice of the slave yeah. to remain in slavery, yeah. not the choice of the yeah. oppressor to enslave fellow humans. Right. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's where I think that the whole uh, my disagreement with the statement and and your statement that those enslaved were weak. I don't yeah. think yeah. that necessarily. Those enslaved were weak. A lot of times, like you said, you got to look at the whole history of the slavery thing. And when they went into the village and, and fought the fighting class, 
which were pro- predominantly men of warrior age, it left women and children. You had to be almost a certain age to ensure your survival across the Atlantic Ocean. You know what I'm saying? So they was grabbing. They well, was grabbing. I, 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 I agree with if you I can, on uh, that. Let, let, let's if I, if I, if I can interject a little bit, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, if I can interject. Um, and and I and I like how the sister says, and I like how I like how she put it, because see now this was the thing, in my opinion, that made it so touchy and taboo to talk about, because like the sister said, we tend to forget when we hear that word choice of the the, the sheer brutality that went. Within them also, uh, I can't agree with that brother that say the ones that was captured were weak, because that's under the impression that we understand every one of our we and see and I keep getting on the Europeans because we must never take our eyes off these devils. So we must understand that the way these devils moved, it wasn't just a rush in. In my opinion, it wasn't just a rush in and colonize. They sat and they watched you like prey. They sat and they learned your ways. They they befriended you. They 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 surveyed the villages and learned who who were the, the strong warriors. So we never know how they individually took out the strongest ones. I don't agree that the ones that well, were captured. Well, but you, but you're wrong in what you're saying, sir. It, it was it was fights between. Well, let me explain. It was fights between groups. Human beings always fought against each other. If one group, yeah. in this case. If you keep coming down, breaking into my house, then I lay for you and catch you, then you got some restitution to play. So in that battle, you were the weaker of the two that was engaged in the battle. I mean, that's just the way it was. And well, you know, in that right there, truth, truth becomes subjective because that's, a, that's an opinion of what is weak. You see, well, right, now, you, right, right now, and this is just an opinion, um, you could be perceived the weaker. Uh, let's say if we're somewhere and we were just to be rushed by Europeans, and we would say, "Well, though they didn't fight." They back. weren't rushed by Europeans. It That's was other saying. Africans. Europeans right, never right. went into the hinterland. Those well, see, people were brought out to them. Let, 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 let me give you another example. Let me give you another example. We're not going to get no argument. Let me give you another example. The Europeans set up trading posts on the shores. Farmers from the interior brought crops down to them and sold them. Okay, if I bring stuff to you and you treat me wrong, I'm not bringing it to you no more. Mm-hmm. Think about mm-hmm. it. Okay. Let's let Seven, because I know Seven wants to get in here. I want to make sure everybody has a – Seven, what did you want to add to the discussion? Um, I want to be able to make sure that uh, one thing that Brother Abbasi said is that I want to, um, back in the day, and I know this because my parents, both of them were Panthers, and they were part of the Philadelphia chapter and very, very prominent, And but they were youth. Back in those days, everyone had a job to do, everyone, and no one's job was seen above or under. Everyone had a job to do in the revolution, even the little kids that ran around. Um, when they started making daishikis and they had a factory up in Philly, um, everyone worked there. The mothers, the children, everyone worked there. Um, when we were, you know, when they were doing the feeding program, all of the mothers rotated turns in that, and all of the men protected the mothers in this work. You know what I'm saying? And so I think a lot of times we lose sight 
of what we're doing because we haven't gotten our job. See, when you had a job in the revolution, you understood that you had something important to do. And so there wasn't a sign-off at 11 o'clock when the news came on. You were like, okay, what's my next assignment? What else am I supposed to do? And so that's what we have to get back into doing. You have to let people know this is your job. It's not a choice. And once Mm -hmm. we take that choice out of the revolution, then we start to get somewhere. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. It, it, it's definitely not. But let me. I, here's here's what I wanted to add to the discussion because, you know, and I understand what the brother is saying from a historical perspective, and it goes even ties in what Sister Seven is saying to a, to a, with tied into a degree of everyone having a role to play. When you say if you say weaker, when you mean by an army being defeated by another army and being sub, succumbing to the other army's strength, okay technically, yeah, weaker. But if when you're talking about the individual taken into slavery, that I would challenge. And understanding how armies work throughout history, not just black armies, any armies, there's a warrior class, and that warrior class goes to confront the invading army or the threat or whatever. And when they are mostly wiped out, it leaves the women and the children, and those are the ones that are subjugated to the uh, horrors of being conquered. So when we see in a lot of slave trade, just to make that trip, a lot of what we don't not told is a lot of it were women and children. And well, you like know, you said, some of the well, uh, uh, another thing yeah. when they made the trip, and they was walking through towns, villages, and other populations. Mm-hmm. Those populations and those towns and villages could have overtaken. The one it was only a few that had a bunch that was grouped together and was taking them uh, well, down to be so they well, well, wait a minute, they, please hang on okay, for a second. Sorry, go ahead, brother. I mean just think about this. Well, Why come the people in those towns and villages and other municipal mm-hmm. areas, they did not move to stop what was going on. Well and, and why would they though? This, see, this is what we're you, not understanding. You're this right. Now, now you get to another point because right. they all are not the same. And, 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 and that's the point. So what we're talking may, about. Yeah. Go ahead, brother Obasi. Yeah, and if I may add, that's, and, and the point is, see, when we say, uh, well, Africans enslaved others, that takes the blame off of the first colonizers. That makes that that kind of spins it as. They did it to themselves in a way. So that's why I'm always careful when I say, well, there were a lot of infighting, because that begins to lean to the side of, well, they did it to themselves. They, and, and we have to, I feel like when we're navigating around history, we must be careful when we're saying that, because it begins to look like we colonized and captured ourselves, and that's just not the case. Well, it depends on well, who you call you yourself. Know. Like I said before, you got mm-hmm. different, uh, distinct groups that's even there today, and they all don't get along with each other. They don't do it. Absolutely. I, look, Yoruba, a Yoruba girl, a, a Yoruba young woman, she's not going to marry, and I ain't going to say all of them. And this is from me questioning one. I'm not marrying an African-American. I'm not marrying an Ibu. I'm not marrying a house. I'm marrying a Yoruba. That's what she said. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you something else, too. In the South, 83.1% 
of the black masses were mulattoes. Why is that? Okay. Because Why when it? their husband died, they were manumissed, and they continued the activity of the plantation. And yep. their captives were dark-skinned Africans, or dark-skinned slaves, if you want to call them like that. In South Carolina, in the South, South Carolina had anywhere between ten to 30,000 slaves that was owned by black people. Who were mulattoes? Mm-hmm. And, and that's based on that's based on the that's based on the eighteen fifty census. Uh, that's based absolutely. on sale records, court records, and so brother, on and so on, brother, and documents and so on and, and so on. And we don't, brother, brother, and we don't refute those facts. Those are facts you can't refute. History, we don't refute those facts. What we're talking about are the systems that created those facts. Yes. Why, a system that you see what I'm saying. This is what we're addressing: the system, a European system that created those facts. Even if we yes. say, "Hold it, hear me out, brother." Even hear me out, brother. Even if we say that Africans sold Africans, we're talking about what created the market. We're talking about chattel slavery, not the Portuguese, not the Arab slavery. Hold me out, brother, because I know you the slave historian. I hear you got all the facts. You got them right there, and I know you've been ready to tell it, but it doesn't. I don't care what color we say this. All my skin folks ain't my kin folks. I could care what care less what color you are because the most prepared the uh, the people who are perpetrating and carrying white supremacy the most a lot of times are minority people. But we're talking about the conditions that created, you know, are the system that created such conditions that would have a people. Because slavery had always have been, and it really didn't have nothing to do with skin color up until a certain period exactly. of time. But let me give you another fact. That, see, the thing exactly. is, is that on, the, these people hold don't on, hear both sides of the let story. Me to, hear, mm-hmm. hear me out. Let me, let me, I got a caller that's been waiting, and let me get this call in because they've been waiting patiently. Area code 216-8993. Your mic is open. Hello. I was talking to the sister. Can you hear me? Yes. Hello? Hello, can you hear me? Hi, I was talking to the sister. Can you hear me? Yes. Hi, uh, my name is Anissa, and I am a mother of two children. I have a daughter who is 13 who know her body is a virtue. I, but I've worked all my life. I had a stroke at 43. Now I'm, I'm disabled, so I'm not working at all. What you said, mm-hmm. let's move forward into 2019, what am I to do now? Because I do have history of being a nationalist in my past. I have studied with mm-hmm. some of the people that, that was um, great men out here in Ohio. So my point is, mm-hmm. what do I do now to move forward to help people like that? like me in my community because I'm not well off. I was one of the recipients that got extra food stamps, but I filled my cabinets up with canned goods. I did water. I did dry goods. I did the things that I know that will last. I didn't get nothing sweet, and we are, we do have a sweet tooth. What am I to do to move forward and help the people in my community and help sisters in my community raise strong black women and men? What can I do? You said let's move forward into 2019. What can I do? Okay, okay, that's a good question. And I thank the brother for um, being on. We're going to move on, and we may revisit the thing. One of the things that I advise to do, and what's up, Anissa? 
you know, um, one of the things, Abba, Assalamu alaikum. One of the one of the things one of the things that I advise to do is like you said, by having those ties to the black nationalist community in Cleveland, I would reach out and I would see what contingency plan they have. What type of plan do they have for in case of these emergencies? You know, that would be the first thing. And then if not in Cleveland, you know, wherever that you may know black nationalists or people who are preparing, have been talking about or at least are gearing towards um, doing something to help them uh, inoculate themselves against what's coming. You know, basically just get with people of like mind. Find out who's thinking like that. If not, if you can't find those people and you don't know it, then you begin to start that group. You find out who thinks like you think. They don't have to be a panther. don't have to be a black nationalist. They just need to be self aware and aware of aware enough to realize something ain't right in the water you know and willing enough to trust in other people such as yourself to begin to um to begin to uh build something that will help you and that's where you start you know that's exactly but where you to start when we're talking about talking about the communalism what's going on brother Vasi? Um, I, I would also like to un, um, extend if that sister would be interested. Uh, the sisterhood program that that that, uh, that we have. Okay. Oh. You know, and that's called uh, that's called the Goddess Arising. It's actually uh, ran by my queen, and um, you can just give like I always like to say, sister, you can just sit in, and if you like what you hear. And that's focused more of togetherness because, like Brother Yanger said, we have to get around like-minded uh, individuals. And you have to get around and understand that it's other sisters and it's other people that go through the same struggles. Because, uh, like Bro- Brother Yanger said, sometimes we can get so caught up in the past so we're not focusing on the right now and how do we, how do we help the people of the right now. So I would like to mm-hmm. extend that to you uh, how, however we can exchange information. Okay, yes. Um, can you give me the name again? I'm sorry, I was getting a pen as you was talking. Yes, um, you can go to my uh, Insta. You can go to my Instagram if you have Instagram. Are you on there? I'm not that computer illiterate, but um, just okay. Give it to well, me. I tell, I tell you, I, I'll help you even more, sister. Um, you can. Uh, Email me if you if you if you email you can you can email me at uh a riggins five at gmail dot com and I and, and I'll just uh, help you out and you know we can we can uh, get to yeah know each other a little more. Okay, thank you. Yes, ma'am. And if not, then I just I get the, I just get the information to her. Okay, that's cool. Bro. Thank you. And the, yeah, 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 yeah. I just get the information to her. So we're talking about, so those are some of the things that, you know, um, that we can talk about doing, that just getting together with, like the brother said, getting together with like-minded people, creating that energy and discussing and getting together with groups that are discussing, you know, a plan if you have those concerns. And in your, and, and, and right there in Cleveland, the better. If you can, you know, like I said, if, those, if you have those concerns. So we can do it like that. Was that it, uh, and yeah, was that it, Anissa? You're welcome. Yes, thank you. I'm just gonna put 
Okay, I said you're welcome. I'm just going to put you back on mute. You want to come back in, just press one. Yeah, I mean, it's serious. The concerns are serious. You know, it's going down. 2019, man, closing the, the government's closed. A lot of benefits. A lot of people are going to be affected. You know, what are we doing? The era, the time for, and I've been screaming this in 2018, the time for sensationalism, the time for all of that stuff is over. You know what I'm saying? We have to be real, man. And now here when we have to present real solutions, because we know the problem. We don't want to get cut in 2019. We don't want to get caught in Mm -hmm. the same cycle or the same thing we were doing with rehashing the problems. The problem is, the problem is, the problem. We know the problems. How are we going to start manifesting some some, some solutions? There's some real practical solutions that we can implement. Like my man Obasi on the line. I got to, you know, brag on the brother. Got to give him his little credit. I I hope his head don't swell too big and he float away on us. But, you know, a real solution for him is providing a platform for education, African-centered education. Now, why is that important? Because I believe in informed people make informed decisions. I believe when you know better, you do better. And when you know that you're African and there's certain, you know, mannerisms that you take from Africa, like I was feeling the brother, you know, some I'm not sitting here, I've never been one of those people that think just, you know, my African alone, it just makes me superhuman. What it does is give me a base, base and an anchor. While I'm leery, and I hate the brother dropped off, I eventually was going to open his mic. But why I'm leery for brothers like that is like what Obasi said. It seemed like he kept leaning back to, well, Africa ain't shit. In so many words, they sold us. And they said, okay, facts are facts. I'm not going to argue with the facts. You're never going to get me on here to make a fool of myself to argue with clear historical facts. But I'm, my thing is, let's look deeper than just the facts presented to us by the conqueror, by the way, by the oppressor. They say the conqueror writes history. So, but let's look into what makes a human being subjugate a subject, his own kind or her own kind to the horrors that was visited upon us by chattel slavery. What makes a human being First of all, be sick and depraved enough to do what was done to us, but especially your own kind. Can you imagine the mental stress and pressure one must have been put under to have them snapped to that degree where they begin to accept that as normal? And this is what we're indicting. We're indicting the whole base lower energy, the whole wickedness of it, whether you call it the devil, lower energy, bad karma, bad juju, whatever you're calling it, that thing that would uh, be so powerful in its darkness and depravity that it would, when put on a people, they would accept it as, a, as normal, as a part of society. That's what we question. You know, to use these words like weak and Africans did this and Africans did that. Listen, man, I'm 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 always leery. If the brother wasn't a white man, he's a brother that, you know, these facts got him jacked up and he's hating his African self. Might be a Hebrew Israel, I don't know. But that'll never fly with me because I would never deny my some of my ancestry being African and what that ancestry from Africa going through the transatlantic voyage, landing over in America, and the, experience, the American experience, I call it, how it has molded and shaped and guided us from everything to our social interaction, our religious understanding and practices, to our psychological makeup. 
what we've gone through over here has affected us. And to deny that is, man, really denying a big part of who we are. So I don't know, you know, what the, what did you, what did, sister, what did you think of that? Where did you think the brother was going with that? I, I have no idea. You know, um, we have to be very careful about the words that we choose. And um, I, can't ever, I can't call no ancestors weak, okay, because mm-hmm. I don't think I would have lasted a day in those shoes. I give thanks and praise to my ancestors every day that I don't have to do and make the sacrifices that they did. Um, I am of the skin persuasion. I would have definitely been outside. I don't do well outside. I wouldn't want to have to live with that. I don't want to have to go through that. And then for my ancestors that are on the lighter side, I didn't mm-hmm. want to be in that house either, you know. Mm-hmm. Why would I want to wake up and, and suck with somebody else's child? Why would right. I want to have right. to deal with this horrible man and his wife, you know, mm-hmm. um, and then being in the middle of their dynamics? And, we, you know, we've spoken about how rough that must have been being um, lusted, hated, and lusted after by one and then hated for the lusting of the other person by the other, by the white. That, right. No, no, I don't want either side of that. I didn't even, I would not even want to have to witness with mm-hmm. my eyes the atrocities. Not, I mean, I, so not I mean, only do I not know, want to go through, I don't want to have to look at it. I don't want to have to see it. So absolutely. I can think that they, I don't have to do that. My ancestors set me up so that I didn't have to go through that. So I would never look back with them and say, oh, you only had a third-grade education. Mm-hmm. You're like, third-grade well, education, I mean. chick. You, know what I mean? you have to be, exactly. You have to be very, <laughs> man, you have to be extremely careful of the messages and the, and, the, and, the, and the things that people are trying to get out of influence. And that sets the whole shift, man, on a spiritual level, on a psychological level. Just sets the whole shift when we begin to accuse and blame or ridicule and criticize, negatively criticize our predecessors and our ancestors. Obasi, what, yes, sir. What, you know I got to ask you your opinion, brother. What did you think about the whole exchange? What did you think the brother was trying? Because I heard you allude to it earlier, like, yo, we got to be careful because, brother, it seemed like you trying to put some, some heavy weight on Africa. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Uh, like the sister said, we have to be careful in the things that we speak um, because it puts that blame like I said, on our ancestors and say they did it to themselves. And I think that was just a simple case of trying to be right because he's like, I'm a historian, and that doesn't matter. It's like we have to get out of that debating, and uh, that's the thing we see. We see a lot. That's what the conscious movement, if I'll say that, brother, has been reduced mm-hmm. to, standing up on a debating, oh, who, who's a more, who's an aboriginal, who has the most facts, who has the most follow, and we don't have no solution. We're getting away from the solution, brother. It's like we can have our mm-hmm. history, three libraries. With. What is the solution? Well, it's and like we what you said. That's why I'm a... and, we are, and I mean, the country, brother, but we always have to plug, like the, like the programs we're starting. Our people need programs. Our people need ways to go to talk about this psychological trauma that they're still going through. We're going back to the 
1800s or 1500s when we're still suffering those same psychological traumas that we haven't healed from. Mm-hmm. Where's the healing? Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, like I say, you know, uh, when we're talking about people like, man, I forgot my main thought. But, you know, when you're talking about these type of people and dealing with, um, oh, man, I forgot my main thought, man. And I hate when I do that because it was it, it was perfect. But you know, it just this guy just threw me so much out of my game because that's what I wanted to go to. When you're talking to these people about this facts and these want to be these historians, you know, and this is what I love about being a spiritualist because a spiritualist doesn't go on knowledge. See, if a spiritualist went on knowledge, then we wouldn't accomplish anything. You know, man knew we couldn't fly. What if the Wright brothers? would have said, I know we can't fly. They went on belief. They were spiritualists. They believed that man could achieve. Knowledge changes. You know, knowledge is um, like the sister always teaches. You know, she got from the Kabbalah, and it would take her to teach it. Talks about how knowledge is this black hole. And because there's no knowledge is never stable, knowledge changes. And she used it, for example, that, you know, at one point in time, man thought the earth was flat. And he built his whole, he built universities and institutions and uh, 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 theories off of this whole premise that the earth was flat. Then, lo and behold, find out the earth is round. Now, all of that has to change. And not only does the knowledge that the earth is round has to change, but everything that was built off the premise that it was flat. Then guess what he found out? That the sun doesn't revolve around it, it revolves around the sun, so knowledge changed again. And his whole premises had to change again. So knowledge is not stable. It's the belief. It's spirit. So I, that's why the spiritualist doesn't get in debates, and you can't win with a spiritualist because they'll tell you, I believe. Well, you know, I, man, I don't know. If I knew, I, the things I know would limit me because I know they tell me that there's certain things I shouldn't be able to perform or certain things shouldn't happen to me in my life that, you know, scientifically, you know, they say you can't prove it. But I tell them, you know, hundreds of years ago, man had no idea he would be walking on the moon. It was a rock in the sky. Some even worshipped it. You see? So we evolved. So that's why I say, you know, these brothers get with those facts, man, and you want to come with the facts, thinking he's on the show, and he want to, you want to hear both sides, brother? No, not really. You know, why do I want historical facts that bear witness to the sickness of my people? I'm not going to argue with that. You know, yeah, maybe Africans did catch Africans in soda, but like I like I was telling them, he's right. What did one care about the other that? Because we were a different people. We lived in such a balance that we didn't understand race to that degree, black and white. That we all had to, that there was a people that would be so deprived of their, of their origin and their natural history and their place in that history that they would have to just claim a whole continent. That's a testament that bears witness to the crime that happened to us as a people. The fact that I got to say I'm African, well, what part of Africa? Just African. That is a bear, that is a testament. That is proof of a crime, an atrocity had taken place. You see what I'm saying? So to sit here and try to bash that, you're not doing anything. What you're doing is throwing salt. And wounds that clearly, brother, that you should know haven't healed for those of us that long and yearn to return return 
at least spiritually, at the very least spiritually, but psychologically, emotionally, socially, to their place of origin and understanding that is distinctly theirs and to be reminded that we don't have that and then you come and throw and try to get us to turn us against and our African self. Damn, it's bad enough we divided over here in America. They ain't trying to get us to divide against our African self. We have to be conscious of that. And this is what African-centeredness or a healthy understanding of black nationalism does. I'm not saying be a cult and don't study other things and don't hear people out. But when it begins to, when your spidey senses tingle and you see that they're going down a slippery slope, they're talking about your ancestors, they're negatively criticizing the ancestors, and they got all this stuff and your predecessors and your place of origin. Listen, brother, I don't need that. I don't need that in my life. And how is that edifying? And how is that building? How is that vibrating on my frequency? So what we did, we vibrated that brother right on off of you. Just to call in and do the whole conversation. Yo, I ain't, yeah, I ain't later for that Negro. How are we surviving? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, man, I think it's how you touched on it, man. There's no spirit, you know, no connection to the spirit. We just mm-hmm. take everything as fact. You know, it's a fact because it's in it's in a book. And like you said, I mean, mm-hmm. Spider-Man is in a book also, but does that make him a fact? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so like a true perspective. And another thing we have to remember is um, relevant information as well, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, The information that we get and that we have needs to be relevant to the job at hand, you know. Um, There's so much information out there uh, that doesn't lead anywhere. It leads down a rabbit hole somewhere, and I'm not Mm -hmm. looking for rabbits. You know, we have to be very clear about and and be determined and focused in what we're doing. And this is why I was saying, you know, the leaders have such a responsibility, you know, to lead in their thing. If you're doing education, do education. We've got to be educated. Mm -hmm. We have to know this. We have to know that. And it may seem like the rest of the world is going up in flames, but you have to stay focused. Well, we won't have anything. We won't even have that. So it's like we have to really take our particular pillars and hold them up against everything else and understand what's needed to do the work that you do. You know, I'm a spiritualist, and I can't Mm -hmm. let that go. Even when I'm doing social work, when I'm a socialist, when I'm an activist, no matter what, I'm doing it from a spiritual perspective. You Mm -hmm. know, we need Brother Abbasi. If you're in the education, even when you're fighting, it needs to be in a way where I'm educating you. Look, look, we're having a class, but understand why. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So that education piece has to always be there. And so this is when I'm talking about how everybody um, two, three generations back had a job. And we were all fighting under the same umbrella, all had one cause, but we had different jobs in this cause. And we were clear on it. So we were like, hey, this is what it is. Well, you know, absolutely. We, you know, one of the things that you said earlier, too, to touch on, when it was a matter of survival, you know, when everybody had to do their job to peak perfection because the whole community, not just that individual, but the whole community's life, you know, was staked on 
the uh, the ability of that person to play their position, do their job. When individualism was encouraged, when they hit us with the materialism and the consumerism, when being by yourself, when they saying that, oh, they're crabs in a barrel, they're just trying to pull you back, really begin to take hold and take effect in our community, then nobody played their position. This, you know, that whole thing of get your own doggy dog became the order of the day. And we see that, you know, we see that in our community. And then what that ends up happening is, you know, when you allow a few out um, through athletics, through entertainment, whatever, you allow a few people out, nobody wants to be the nigger. So in order for not to be the nigger, the nigger will create a nigger class. You know, like poor white trash, the, the whole purpose of, not the whole purpose, but one of the big effects of the whole race card, the whole uh, race class division was so that poor white trash, they could oppress the 1% or the uh, uh, upper echelon, could oppress the white people and say, you know, yeah, we're oppressing you, you're poor, but at least you're not a nigger. And so you got Jebedee and these poor white trash say, yeah, I might be poor, but at least I'm not a nigger. You see, so the whole, now the nigger has created a nigger class. You know, we did it with the homosexual. You know, I'm black, but I ain't a faggot. You know what I'm saying? Or I might be the black man, but I can beat this black woman's ass. We begin to create a subclass, something that was beneath us, something that we could get our rocks off psychologically that we could begin to oppress since we were feeling that oppression as black men. And it's terrible. You know, I tell people not only did we suffer from white supremacy, but it was white male supremacy. That was just further, like I said, how they did the poor white trash with the black people. That was to get men to, we're going to give you a whipping post. We're going to give you something to get your rocks off on called women. You see? So when the Negro began to have to create uh, the nigger class, along came with that we had to create a cushion to comfort us psychologically. You know what I'm saying? to understand why we were actually taking a cowardice route. We weren't standing up for our people. We weren't manning up. We weren't demanding, you know, equality or rights for our race or portraying good, strong, positive black male images. So we began to do, and not knocking the brother, not even going to say the brother, but what a lot of people do is it's too difficult to fight the so-called white man or the system. We've seen where that has gotten us. So especially for our historians who study history, they know the brutality and the barbarity and the savagery of our oppressors. So they ain't trying to go against that. So they will turn that anger because they're angry. Shit, especially if you're a historian. You've been studying that history, what's been affecting your people. You're angry. But what you but you see what happens if you bump heads with the white boys. So what we'll do is we'll implode. We'll turn it against one another. Well, niggas sold us into slavery. Niggas ain't this. Young people wearing their pants sagging. This is why we can't. This is why we can't. This way. Because what do we do with R. Kelly? What did the brother say? Uh, Obasi, what did you say? I'm sad what, what these black men are doing. Well, she shouldn't have did this. She shouldn't have did that. An inadequacy, an inability to defend their black woman, to defend our honor, to demand respect, and then be uh, to have the demeanor that would. Yeah. Make them respect us. The responsibility of that and the inability to reach that level has caused us to implode and blame one another. And blame one another. For shortcomings, we will overlook 
everybody else for. I tell people like, oh, I don't hate white people. It's these niggas. I say, look, I don't either hate white people either, but if you can forgive the system, this system that was built off the backs of slaves and your ancestors, the blood of our people in this land, whether voluntarily or involuntary, because after, even after slavery, we've had people who have contributed to the making of this country to see this. Is why I don't knock certain things, the Tuskegee Airmen, the Black Panther Tank Battalion, where with the fighting, the fighting 50, 45th Massachusetts glory. I mean, we have gotten down with the get down. You understand? So in all of that getting down, we it, it it we have not only forcibly worked the land, but have shown willingly participation to stand up and meet every qualification of manhood, and have been intentionally hindered from achieving that. But yet held by those standards, creating this turmoil and chaos in the black community, and it leads to frustration. So what do we do? We implode. This is why I'm worried about the government shutdown. Because when the food stamps stop and the, these grocery stores dry up in the inner cities that we're all dependent on, we don't know how to farm. Even if we got these little community farms, we don't have anything defended, what are we going to do? We're going to employ. We see them with riots. Nobody takes that shit out of the black community. Why? Because black life is cheap. Black life is cheap. It's undervalued. It's not appreciated. It's easier to perpetrate crimes on black people than it is any other group. You're going to feel the pain, even if it's not by the, by the state. Running in the Mexican community, me going to going to let you know what's happening. You see? So when we're, when we're dealing with this type of uh, mentality, then yeah. a lot of our injuries are self-inflicted. Yeah. And so we have to graduate. We have to begin to take a critical look at ourselves realistically and a start to address and it's painful that's what we don't get listen and i'm and i'm gonna be brief because i know brother obasi wanted to say something i had attended a retreat a seven retreat wonderful retreat and one of the things one of my first ones and i was dealing with uh you know taking that inner look and this defensive me came out we would be surprised especially us men how defensive we become at our inadequacies. And it's not defensive in the sense that we it's just that defensive, not offensive. We don't want to really attack anyone. It's just a sore spot to realize we don't have a clue of what manhood is. Not a clue. Not a manhood that is not only advantageous of for us as black Africans here in America, but addresses the specific issues that we face as a people. That we face as a people. Because Africa is our origin, and we can use that as our focal point and our nucleus to begin to build. But there is no denying with, with, with the issues we went through, the effects that it had on us as a people. And we have to have methods that address those specific needs. Or if we don't, we become what I call escapists. We're running from reality, creating fantasies in heavens and far off distant lands. And, you know, even the, the, the thing about social media, media, it'll even provide the pictures for you to help you with the visualiz- visualization. You can type in some ancient mystics part of Africa or Egypt or whatever, Ethiopia or whatever, and images will come up. 
helping us run away from the reality of the water still being bad in Flint. You call it money for a wall. You shut the government down for money for a wall. Why couldn't nobody shut it down until we got money for Flint? Calling mm-hmm. attention, calling attention to the police brutality, the things that happened in Louisville, Kentucky, blatant racism. Two elderly people gunned down by a devil. And why do we say devil? Because his behavior was devilment. His behavior was wicked. Call a spade a spade. So we're dealing with these type of issues, and they keep us sidetracked. Not that R. Kelly isn't a real issue. Pedophilia in our community, the sicknesses that are in our community. Listen, I had a sister tell me she knew she was a sister before she knew she was black. That's how serious the sexualization, the sexual assault, and all the other things are in our community. That's how serious that is. And it's a travesty. And it's a travesty. So they have to be addressed. But they have to be addressed from a perspective of healing. And the only way to heal is to be healed yourself, and that is to get back to a right mind state. Now the question arises for us black people, what is that, black, what is that right mind state? What is that right mind state? And the right mind state is that which is right for us, except us as a continuation of the African experience. Brother Obasi, I'm sorry, brother. You know we get along with it. Brother, did you want to say something? <laughs> I know, man. I, I understand. But, no, it's just uh, I think we just have to, like you said, we have to come back in. We have to stay in the now, brother. And that's why we also have our brotherhood classes. We have to, but I want to touch on something that you said also about uh, our young boys not, not being men. Well, that's because they're not seeing real strong characters and one thing I always like to say, brother, is um, there's a reason they took us away from leaders of strong, progressive thinking, black warriors, uh, when it comes to men like Malcolm X. And now we have people like, and I have to use these people because these are the ones that are influencing the thinking. So I think for us to return to our same way of thinking, we have to get back that, like you said, to that which is right for us, and that's our African way of mind. Because when we look, I like to say it like this, bro. When I found out who I was, I also found out who I wasn't. Mm-hmm. And if we can understand mm-hmm. that aspect of it, of who we are versus who we are not, then we can stop having these little silly debates of, you know, who caused the most pain on us when we're still hurting. Like, no, they hurt you yeah, most. Yeah. No, yeah. And then we, we ready to go, and, and like you said, it's not that R. Kelly isn't an issue, but I think he's just like the, you know, like the head of hand. Like, look, he's like the shiny thing that everybody's turning around and paying all this attention to when we're not addressing the pedophilia that's going on within the black family. This must stop. Mm-hmm. We must have, you know, we must have healing for women that were victims of rape, sexual assault. We must have healing for brothers that didn't grow up without fathers. What's causing our trauma? Because we're we've gotten away from understanding what a man looks like. Now now the man looks like whoever the latest fool on T V or whoever the latest fool reality show instead of like like we have a conversation brother about uh Martin Delaney. How many of our mm-hmm. children know him versus Soldier Boy? 
And that's by design. They they want us to look at those people and those are the heroes. The the, the drug mm-hmm. dealers are the heroes. And this is why it's, it's brothers like you and I that get in our community and we talk daily and say, okay, brother, well, how can we begin to fix the now? Not that the past is important because we have to use that Sankofa mindset to go back and get what's ours and bring it forward. But how do we apply mm-hmm. it to now to the bringing back of the family? And I think that's where in 2019 we are going to do much more of. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that a lot of that comes from just like what you were talking about, manhood, defying that manhood. You know, what does that look like for us specifically? I think that now our solutions have to become to the point where they're tailor-made. They have to fit us like a nice suit. You know what I'm saying? We got to look good in it. It has to be one of the things we're talking about attracting the youth. You have to look good in it. And I think, and I'm going to come to you, Sister uh, Seven, to let you get in on this. And I think also one of the things is our approach to young people, because not only are we speaking to young people, we're speaking to young fathers and young mothers. I think that's important to remember. So solutions have to be family-oriented. How is this beneficial for me and mine? You know what I'm saying, Shawty? I got this baby. This is what's happening with me. It has to speak to that. And a lot of our things haven't really spoken to that. In the so-called conscious community, we have become elitist. We become, oh, I'm conscious and they're not type of attitude. And, it, you know, last I checked, it was all powers to the people. It was about empowering the people to be able to empower themselves. You know, it was about giving them the information so they can make informed decisions, giving them the tools so they can build the proper structure, not about so that we could be, you know, uh, praised or worshipped for the little bit of information that we do have. Our getting information, all of our getting is a sacrifice that we make so that we can get out and be able to distribute that to the people, whether it's through uh, just knowledge through our programs to establish knowledge or it's some type of program where it, it puts those theories into action. But this observation and what? Participation. So participation is vital in that thing. Sister Seven, did you want to add to this conversation as we come down to our closing minutes? Of course, of course. You know, one thing I wanted to add is um, and I say this all the time, there are no extra people. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I would like to say, okay, I, and we do this out of comfort, I'm comfortable speaking to this type of person, but I have to get out of that idea of being comfortable because the problems are not comfortable. You know, the situations that we're in are very uncomfortable. And if you're sitting back anywhere, comfortable in any way, you really need to evaluate where you are and what you're doing, you know, because you could be part of the problem. Mm -hmm. You can't see the problem. So, you know, we have got to get to the point where, we don't see outside people. We see people that we haven't educated yet. You know, I, I think about this brother here, and I'm like, I would love to have more conversation with you about your ancestors. I would love for you, you know, if you're a historian, have you done your own history? You mm-hmm. know, what do you know about your own people and the sacrifices that they've made here? You know, um, our history didn't begin, you know, just with Grandma. We have a full, rich history before slavery, Actually, during Absolutely. slavery, yeah. uh, after slavery, you know, there's just mm-hmm. so much to mm-hmm. us, you know. So we have to get out of the idea of I can only work with this person or only this person is worth addressing or anything else like that. We have to really be able to say 
all of this is us. All yeah. of this. You know, every uh, – I was in a situation yesterday that I didn't know was that big a deal, but dealing with some grandmothers, and I'm like, Ugh, you know, come on, grandmother. We have to walk this way. Let's do this. Let's take our time with this. And so, you know, I couldn't see her as somebody else's grandmother. I had to see her as my grandmother. And when I did, then I could say, oh, you don't need to be here. Oh, I need to do some more for you and everything else like that. So, you know, I think if we can all remember to be patient with each other and and to really understand, you know, a lot of times people don't know because they are ignorant, not like they don't want to know, is they really don't know. And so we have to do a lot more educating rather than the, the turning off and the shunning and oh, they don't get it. And so they may not have had somebody take the time to explain it to them. So, mm. you know, I, if I could just leave with anything, I just want to say there's no extra people. We have really got to get everyone needs a job, everyone needs a function in this. And then we need to, you know, that's how we're going to grow. And that's how we're finally going to get out of where we are right now. And I want to yeah. say thank you so much for being a part of this conversation. I was You're not right. expecting that, but it was very educational for me. And um, I, I had a lot of fun with it, and I hope to be able to be welcomed back another time. Absolutely. I'm glad you came on and shared and took that time out of your day to be able to, you know, impart some of those wisdoms to us. That's what's happening. But I want to go back to the brother, which I really appreciate. Like I said, listen, this is a show all about people sharing their comments, opinions, whether they agree or disagree. The only thing I say is when you do open, when you share your opinion, you open yourself up to be able to have that scrutinized and criticized. I don't guarantee a cushiony show all the time, depending on, you know, uh, how you're, you're perceiving things. But I want to say this about the brother, which I do, again, appreciate him coming on. A lot of that was just anger. You know, anger. He's an angry man. And just, you know, like I said, being a historian, when you look historically at what has happened to us, it's it's like, you know, that's a waste of time to place my anger here so it's easier to place it on the people that everyone else has dumped anger on. My advice would be to leave the anger, period. Leave the anger, period. Accept what is, you know, what has happened to us. If anything, I think you were talking about earlier, you said some seven, and I, I loved how you phrased it. You said the benefits of death, and that's horrible if there's any benefit to death. But if there's any benefit to the atrocities that happen to us as a people, and that's horrible to think that they, you know, damn, it's, is that what it's come to? We have to find the benefits of that, but yes, we do. Is that you come from a people that persevered and that overcame obstacles and that never gave up belief. They never gave up belief in a better day, that one day soon that this was going to be over. They sung it in their spiritual, soon and very soon. Now it'll be over. And that faith, that belief is what kept them and what helped to get them over. So we honor that. We thank that. We thank the Dr. Martin Luther King who, you know, sacrificed himself, sacrificed or had given of his family's time, had given of his wisdom. Uh, his oratory skills and all of those things placed back in the universe through his energy. We thank him for that contribution. No, did I agree with his philosophy of nonviolence? No. Anyone who knows me knows I didn't. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what you're asking for. But, you know, am I a black nationalist? Yes. So, therefore, being a black nationalist, I am one who celebrates and commemorates any and all achievements of an African people here. 
in, in America and throughout the diaspora, but starting with my people right here. This also is why what's incorporated into my black nationalism is a heavy, healthy dose. Not a tolerant healthy, but a healthy, oh, uh, uh, a big people healthy dose of spiritualism incorporated in my black nationalism. Why? Because you have to have that belief. You have to have that faith in spirit. I know that we're in this information age with the Internet and everybody's on the what you know, bring the records, here's the history. But like I said, if you go by what you know, a lot of times we know why we can't do anything more than we know why we, you know, why we can. So I go by the belief factor. Go by the belief factor. And that comes from a healthy dose of spirituality in your black nationalism, knowing that the only limitations are the limitations that you're, you're setting for yourself. So, okay, we went through that tragedy. We went through that tragedy. Okay, it was horrific. But what did we learn from it? And what kind of creature was birthed? What type of phoenix came from that fire? You know what I'm saying? What kind of metal was tempered by that type of heat? You are a mighty, awesome weapon of righteousness, but it comes with living right and exact. You know me. Anyone who knows me knows that my base language is Islam, and I do the Islamic sciences. And that's one of the things that God says in the Quran. Allah says, my favorite thing, Allah says, in the Quran, he says, follow not the footsteps of the devil. Now, you can take that to, to me, the Quran is a book of psychology, so I take that to mean lower, baser things, lesser spirits, lesser energy. Don't follow that footstep. It leads to nowhere. And us having followed those footsteps have incorporated and not only incorporated certain bad habits and bad practices, but have come to accept them as our own, not being able to distinguish the difference between a righteous person and a wicked person. We even have gone to justify some of the dumb behavior. It's more than just base and detrimental. It's just outright stupid. Some of the things that young people are getting high on, like uh, uh, the brother called in, uh, Brother Robert called in earlier today, was talking about the unreality television, love and hip hop. Some of the things that these young people are uh, doing and not really thinking about the long-term ramifications and repercussions that it's going to have when their children see mommy fighting on television, dress coming up and no panties on, this type of thing. We've gotten away. We've lived in so much for immediate gratification that we've gotten away from, uh, we've forgotten the joy in being able to put forth some effort and collecting that harvest, harvest. We so bent on microwave hot pockets, we started to think that they taste good, and we forgot what a home-cooked meal tastes like. When mom used to have to put that love into it, you know what I'm talking about, dinner already yet. It'll be another hour. Don't ask me again. That type of dinner. See, we so microwave-aged now, being hot pockets, and we think they actually are delicious. We've fooled ourselves, and we've taken life the same way. Listen, what was one of the things that made the Honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey so mighty and effective in his call. It wasn't that he was the most articulate. If those of us who have actually heard him live, we're here. He's not Malcolm. He's not Minister Louis Farrakhan. He's none of these people. But what made him effective was his ability to impose in African people the belief in themselves. He said, up, you mighty nation, you can accomplish what you will. It was his ability to infuse in them a desire to do better for themselves, to want better, and to let them know and to put in them that they deserve better. They're entitled to better. 
these conditions that are on us are self-inflicted and self-imposed. We can raise them up. Many a time I've lived in what would be called the projects, low-income housing. But one of the things I can say about my mother is that our inside always reflected, not only was it immaculate, but it reflected prosperity and success. It reflected wealth. I remember moving to Atlanta, and my sisters coming home, they went to Grady High School, coming home one day crying. And I asked them, what's wrong? They said, oh, somebody said, we live in the projects. We live in the boulevard, Fourth Ward, Bethel Pond Housing. Those in Atlanta know what it is, shouting. And they came home crying because the environment, the energy in our home wasn't one of low income. It wasn't one of ghetto. It wasn't one of project. It was one of success and prosperity. It was one of hustle, get money. All of we came from a paper understanding that we get that money, and it's reflected in my sisters today and myself because I'm rich. It's just my money ain't caught up with me yet. You understand what I'm saying? So when we as African people begin to understand that it's not just about coming from kings and queens in Africa, like they said, or scientists and agriculturalists or whatever they say in Africa, but coming from that sharecropper, coming from that slave who took that whip on the back and said, Lordy, Lordy, but I must continue for my, for generations to come for my people. For that slave that picked up the hoe and struck back, for the one that ran for freedom, for the one that curled up and died, for all of them that was here and that shed blood on the shores of North America to ensure that we be here and it didn't just stop there. Their fight didn't just stop there. Their will to live didn't just stop there. Their tenacity and fortitude didn't just stop there. Why now we can go to any school or you and I can have these conversations over the phone openly where a black man better not even be thinking sideways about a white man. So for us to find the fault in our ancestors or defame our ancestors or come any kind of way on our ancestors, shame on us, the only thing I would call that is an act of cowardliness. It's an act of cowardliness. It's a way to shuck the responsibility. It's a way to assuage the guilt that is festering inside of us as black men for our inadequacies. No, brother, you got to face it. It's like going to AA. Hey, I'm Yang Nkrumah, and I've been unable to protect my people. Wife, family, children, everything. Hi, Yanga. We got to step up and we got to admit it. And it's hard. But once we admit it, and we swallow the bile, we taste how bitter it is. So you can't spit it out. We're spitting it out when we pass the buck and pass the blame. We must swallow the bile and taste how bitter it is, and it upsets our stomach. That's what they call it. You can't stomach it. It bothers the very nature, your very core. It shakes you to the soul. Those of us who know what manhood is or who have an inkling of what manhood is, who can taste it, taste that, taste that. You taste that? That's honey. That's deliciousness Your woman knows deliciousness Man up Your woman will tell you it's delicious baby I love it I love it Your children will love it Your neighbors will love it Because your neighborhood changes Things men affect change Men bring change Sister Zeman told us this is the year of change And men are prominent in that Not just our divine mothers who are instrumenting And very instrumental in initiating the change But men are going to have to be in there To hold the anchor Hold the line, brother. Hold the line. Listen, 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 man. I get carried away. I want to thank everyone for spending that Thursday with me. You know, I think I made sure doing Thursday 
Check us out. Obasi, man, thank you for coming on. Check out Brother Obasi's thing. I'm going to start putting the plug on my Facebook and on the um, People's Black Panther Party page. Check out Sister 7, wonderful approach. Thank her for coming on. All our callers for coming on. Uh, as always, man, this is your radio program. This is your station, a chance to get off and do your thing and talk to the people. I'm your brother, Yang Krumah. Thank you for having me in your ear for these couple hours, and i catch you next week. And to then, all powers to the people. Black power, black people. You, I fight myself, I fight God, tell me how many burdens left, I fight pain and hurricanes, today I wept, I'm trying to fight back tears, flood on my doorstep, life is living hell, puddles of blood in the street, shooters on top of the building, government aid ain't relief, earthquake, the body drop, the ground break. This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get hefty, ultra-strong with new Fabuloso lemon scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.